0: Hello, and welcome to the Bucketless Gamers Podcast. We are on episode 5, and today's subject is number 57 in Retro Gamers 100 Games to Play Before You Die, which is, drum roll please, Bioshock. We've chosen this one because it's it's one we're both fond of. And after last week's episode, which it's fair to say we weren't particularly kind to any of the three games we talked about, we thought we'd better do something that we enjoy a little bit more and we can talk a bit more positively on. So, Bioshock it is. We did have a list of four, didn't we? And we wheedled it down to this one.
1: I I, kind of get the feeling that we're going to go through stages where we do a load that we like... And then we go through a couple just that we slate them because we can't stand them. um, Or there's not much to talk about. And then we'll just roll back around to being positive and cheery about the next four games in a row.
0: And in fairness, we've had some decent feedback about the one where we were just angry all the way through it. I think people enjoy a bit of vitriol every so often. Trust me, when you look through this 100, there will be plenty more opportunity for us to absolutely slate things. Because some of these picks I really don't agree with being anywhere near the 100 But Bioshock, thankfully, is not one of them. If anything, I think it should be a lot higher than 57, but I'm sure we'll get to discussing where we think it should be on the list shortly. So a little bit of background about the game. Released in 2007 by 2K Boston and 2K Australia, set in the 1960s, 1960 specifically I think the first one, and it revolves around an underwater city called Rapture. So the game starts off and a very square-handed character on a plane is smoking a cigarette and the next thing the plane crashes with no further information than that. You surface in the water surrounded by fire and luckily you've crashed next to what seems to be the only thing for miles around stuck up out of the water, which you can go into you end up in a little pod that takes you down to Rapture and it all gets worse from there, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's quite a nice way of subverting expectations as well because it does sort of start you off in a story where you've no clue what's going on. You've no idea what your name even is. And I don't even think that your name gets mentioned throughout the entire narrative of the plot unless you dig into like the, the audio logs. So yeah, you find this lighthouse in the middle of the ocean that is surrounded by a ring of fire. You get into a bathysphere and it's all quite lovely. You're getting a nice talk through of the purpose of Rapture by Andrew Ryan, who does come across as a little bit psychotic. And you the bathysphere eventually emerges in Rapture and it sets its stall out rather early in terms of quite a pronounced horror game. And when I first played it back in two thousand seven, I genuinely struggled to get past the opening bit. So when the bathosphere comes out, you're essentially faced by this person that's trying to get you out of the bathosphere to help him, and you're introduced to. Another sort of group of people within Rapture called the Splicers, and she walks up and guts him in front of you while you're trapped in this bathroom and just can't do anything other than watch. And it's all very dark, very dank. There's leaks everywhere. Um, Exposed electrical panels keep sparking off and giving you a little bit of illumination into the rest of the room. But it, it does set itself up as a horror game quite early on.
0: Yeah, when you first start, it's almost as if the plane crash has caused the leaks and everything because a big piece of the plane crashes into a tunnel and smashes it open and, and you sort of thinking, oh, this probably is being caused by the plane crash. But as you delve more into the story, the place has become more and more run down over time. I think there's some audio logs where the guy's complaining because pipes are freezing up and then starting to leak. So you see that actually it's been heading this way for quite a while. It's not the plane crash that's caused it. It's horror straight from the offset, pretty much, as soon as that is trying to get into the pod that you're in, and you manage to get away from them and then pick up a wrench and club their head in a few rooms later. It's obvious what you're getting yourself in for, but I remember, I'm fairly certain the demo wasn't like that, because I remember playing the demo about 20 times, and I think for the demo they cut it up in a way that you didn't get that instant hit of right there's things in here that are going to kill me what I remember and I could be completely misremembering this what I remember from the demo is you walk into rapture and it does the bit with the baby's pram so there's a bit in the real game where there's a baby's pram and a woman crying over the top of it and she turns out to be a splicer and then there's like a revolver or something in the pram that you can pick up I'm sure in the demo it was just a pram on its own you saw the shadow of her but when you went in she was gone and it was just like a doll or a teddy or something but you could hear it crying and I'm sure it was that level of creepy horror rather than in your face horror in the demo and I think the demo finished where the big daddy comes through that room and kills that guy in front of you behind the glass and that's when you see right there is things that are going to do harm to me and I remember being obsessed with that demo I played it five six seven eight times I pre-ordered the game I think I got the special edition if they did one I know they definitely did a special edition of two that came with a big daddy figure and you could only get it from bizarrely blockbuster video so I had to send someone to blockbuster to pick me that up because I was working but yeah it's one that I've always been fascinated with but not one that I've ever got particularly far in because I always keep restarting it for whatever reason I don't play it for a while restart it do the same bit restart it do the same bit and it's one that I don't want to play the second and the third one until I've finished the first one because I don't want to ruin the narrative but I just never get enough time to sit down and finish it all and I think the last time I tried to play through it I got to a boss and I didn't have any ammo left and I just couldn't figure out how to get past it so I stopped playing it again so it's one of those games that the difficulty modes are easy which is like a storyline based mode like atomic heart we discussed last week medium and hard there isn't a massive amount of difference between but then there's like the the heart the hardest mode is every bullet counts i think it says but i feel like that's the case in the normal mode because it's so easy to run out of ammo and evs and stuff that i think it's quite a difficult game even on the most normal difficulties
1: yeah, it's it's it is a very challenging game up until you get to the last hour or so because there are a lot of enemies constantly, and the big daddies in particular. If you're determined to either kill the little sisters or save the little sisters, they are redi- they are such bullet sponges. You can waste your entire set of ammo and all your health refills and stuff like that just taking down a Big Daddy in normal mode or hard mode. I've never tried it on Every Bullet Counts mode. I've done the hardest mode in um, Bioshock Infinite, and that was awful. So I've never gone back to try Bioshock on the hardest.
0: They don't drop anything particularly good either, do they, when you kill a Big Daddy? It's not like you take down this... Giant boss type creature and they drop a load of really useful things like on a skyrim or a fallout or something They have a couple of dollars usually at well a few dollars more than most enemies and that's about it So it's not you're not taking them down to get loot from them You're taking them down because they will take you down otherwise and that's the only reason to do it I never really knew what to do with the little sisters so for those who haven't played the game, there are essentially children, these little girls that will walk around, but they've been corrupted somehow. I'm not 100% sure on the storyline reason for why they've been corrupted. You might be able to fill us in in a second. But they've been corrupted and they go around collecting Adam, which is like the its the thing that's turned people into splicers through abuse, isn't it? But if used right, you can power yourself up with elemental powers and that kind of thing which is a side note i've always found it really disconcerting how willingly the main character just injects himself with something he finds on the floor like two minutes into the game you just find this thing on the floor i don't think anyone even tells you to do it you just pick it up and stick it in your arm and then all of a sudden you've got lightning powers and i was like can you imagine if you didn't know anything about this place you've never heard of these things you're like oh there's a syringe i'm just gonna jab that into my arm and see if it helps It's just a bizarre way, like, at least if the guy who's talking you through it explained it before you did it, but he starts explaining it after you've already sort of stuck yourself with it. So that always baffled me. But yeah, they collect, they harvest Adam and it's a priceless commodity. So everyone's after them. So they team up with a big daddy who in exchange for some of the Adam protects them. So when you see one of them about, you know, there's probably going to be the other and I think you can, as you said, if you kill them, you harvest a load of Adam, is that right? Yeah. And if you rescue them, you don't get quite as much, but you get potentially the good ending if you rescue all of them, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it.
0: So I don't know if... Do you know the lore on why they are so strange?
1: Um, the So, yeah, so when they... F- basically, Adam is... For, for sort of a layman's or it's kind of a cheap shot to, uh, 2k really but Adam is used as the force is used in Star Wars it's sort of like plot insulation so if anyone ever questions oh why is this it's the easy solution to just turn around and go because of adam but essentially so uh, rapture is set up to be a society away from society where you don't have to follow any rules and regulations and from this you will create a utopia that's the idea behind it where no one's restricted by morals or policing or anything like that this of course doesn't work um and it ends up becoming a dystopia rather than a utopia and part of that is because they find a sea slug that is down at the bottom of the ocean and it contains a substance which they eventually call adam and it enhances physical abilities and bestows upon it with manipulation it can bestow upon the user specific powers superpowers basically so you can have lightning you can shoot bees out of your hand and unfortunately it burns you out quite quickly Overuse of it can it causes mental degradation quite quickly um and it also and it can also burn the user out so they create the little sisters who have a sea slug it sort of embedded in them at birth uh, so they have that natural affinity for other sources of adam and they go along and if anyone burns themselves out through it they inject and draw the adam back out so that it can then be brought back to the creators of the gene tonics and the um plasmids so the plasmids and and they just keep recreating them however because the little sources the little sisters contain the sea slugs they themselves are a vital source of adam so then the people that have obviously gone a little bit crazy with the misuse, then start hunting the little sisters, so they have to create the big daddies to protect them. And that's the general cycle.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. I've not got to... I must never have got to the explanation when I've been playing it. I've got to the bits where you can choose to often, or there's little vents in the walls that they crawl into there, if you decide to rescue them all over the place and you have to escort them to them before they get got by anyone else. So yeah, I downloaded earlier today, I downloaded the uh, the remastered edition of all three games. I thought I'll try and brush up on it because it has been a year or two since I've actually played the first one. And I knew that after we talked about it, I'd want to play through it again anyway. So I thought I'll download the, uh, the remastered editions. Not a lot of remastering gone on them. I'll be honest. We had a look before the the recording and I think they've just tightened it up, haven't they? Made it look a bit crisper on new displays and tightened the frame rate up a bit. But it was an immense looking game to start with. To say it's Xbox 360, the bit where you emerge from the water surrounded by fire is one of the best sort of water and fire effects. Even today it holds up. Like if you saw that in an in an Xbox Series X game or a PS5 game, you wouldn't doubt it. When you see the buildings and stuff come into view and the bits of the plane and the splash on the water on the plane, yeah, those look a bit a bit dated now, but the actual water effects with the fire sitting on top of it look as good now like, you wouldn't believe that it was a game from 2007 so it didn't need much polish I think is what I'm trying to say, but it would have been nice if they'd have brushed up like, like I said at the beginning when you sat on the plane and, and he lifts his hand up with the cigarette and his fingers are basically like fish finger shaped, like squared off on the ends I was like, oh, this, this doesn't look as good as I expected it to for a remaster but you quickly forget that when you see Rapture and how nice everything as, even as a dystopia, how nice everything looks and how perfectly They've themed it. It, With it being set in 1960, it's got the whole just coming out of the 50s vibe, hasn't it? So you've got the swing music playing, you've got the, they're wearing the masquerade ball masks, some of the enemies, you've got like flapper girls, that kind of thing. And it all does really keep well within the tone of it. It's not like we mentioned with Atomic Heart, a sort of futuristic retro, even though it is. It's actually set in the retro times and then they've just injected these little bits of futuristic technology into it with the plasmids and that kind of thing
1: yeah it's it is slightly futuristic but to your point it's not like massive leaps of technology have taken place so you still get like the art deco um architecture and the glass and the metal and steamworks and stuff like that but even um all like the little vending machines the vending machines are based on slot machines so they're not massively futuristic and the gun turrets are all sort of steam powered. Yeah. They're not, and and you can, I mean, the worst bit in the game, one of the worst bits in the game is the, um, hacking mini game, the Mm. pipe dream thing that you have to do to hack them. But that it's basically showing that it is water powered, um, yeah. Or steam powered at the very least. So yeah, it is set in the sixties, um, and lots of nods to that era, but like you say, it's it a little bit futuristic to the point where it's almost believable that it could have happened that way.
0: It has an in-world explanation, I think is what I like. Like you said, they've set up this new society. Perhaps building a city underwater would have been the bit where you go, I don't think they could have managed that. They can't really manage it now, never mind in the 50s. But once you get past that bit, all the other stuff that happens in it has an in-world explanation they're in a society where there is no limits on science there's no limit on technology and they've been able to develop stuff that they potentially wouldn't be able to develop when they're having to meet safety standards and moral choices and that kind of thing so you get the explanation of why it is like it is rather than atomic heart where it doesn't really explain unless it's further in the game why there's completely autonomous robots but then you're also Looking like you're set in the '50s, there's sort of that clash between the two that doesn't get explained. Whereas here, yeah, you're in the '60s, but these guys have spent ten years, fifteen years, whatever, developing stuff with no restraints, so they're able to have things that are a bit more futuristic, like the plasmids, like the Evo pods that
1: bring you back to life. Yeah, and it's it's nice. <sighs> I say it's nice. They've they've done it so well because there are a lot of opinions and a lot of social norms from the 60s that are brought across in Bioshock because it is incredibly racist the society that you live in there is a distinct hierarchy based on your race to the point where you've got the typical Irish people that are pretty much always sort of workers and labourers and builders and yeah it's not particularly a pleasant society to live in and it is very there's supposed to be no classism but but it it's probably worse than it was in the 60s to be fair um it's quite emphasized the distinction between despite the fact that it's supposed to be a more even utopic society there is the whole white supremacist undertone to it and that kind of runs on through the rest of bioshock 2 and bioshock infinite as well there is there are those really questionable morals in there despite it being a society without morals yeah it's it is well written even like the
0: audio cassettes that you find
1: around the place which are
0: completely optional to listen to and do get a bit much in certain places there's one bit early in the game where there's about six or seven in the same room and it's really hard to listen to them all without having to dip into menus because it gives you the option to play them when you find them but if you find two and one's still playing you can't trigger the next one without going into the menu so they've sort of stacked them a bit much for me but it is nice to listen to them because you get so much backstory while you can carry on fighting, which I think a couple more games, I think Atomic Heart does it, and there's probably a couple of others I've played recently that do the same thing, where you can set an audio file playing and still carry on with the game, so you're just getting it in the background. But I do wonder how much Bioshock influenced Fallout, because there's only a year between them, and I know there were Fallout games prior to Fallout 3, but I think it was Fallout 3 that really lent into the vault and the 50s iconography, you know, of the Pip-Boy and those like cartoons and the special cards with the like 50 star cartoons on it which when you play bioshock they're in there quite a lot aren't they like even the the signs for the toilets are the little 50s animated characters and a lot of the videos when you get a new plasmid it's like in a little cartoon style and that kind of thing so i do wonder whether there is any influence or whether it is just purely coincidental that these two games are in development at the same time and they've gone with very similar looks not so much gameplay, because the games are very different, but looks-wise, I think there is a lot of crossover between the two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Bethesda would vehemently insist that it's purely coincidental, but it is It is very... There's a lot of striking similarities because Fallout 1 wasn't particularly influenced. I mean, it's it wasn't a first-person shooter to start with, but it wasn't really that kind of game. It was very no. it was a lot more futuristic in in scope, whereas one
0: and two are overhead, aren't they? Yes, not completely overhead, that's sort of like just off to the side, um, and there's a lot more dialogue checks and stuff I think in Fallout one and two, and i can you can see the Fallout three routes in it, but they are very different games, and I think like style wise they're very different, like you say that Fallout one and two are just. Post nuclear war, a lot of deserty surroundings, a lot of buildings that don't have much in them. Whereas Fallout Three went for the whole focus on vaults and the sort of fifties atmosphere inside of a vault, and and the animations and the character, the little bobbleheads and stuff that you find when you run around. And to me, it just feels very coincidental that Bioshock came out, did really really well with that level of graphics and well not graphics that that visual style for a lot of it and then you suddenly find a lot of it in fallout now i know fallout must have took years to make and they only had a year but i wouldn't be surprised if they didn't put a few more bits of it in once they saw how well bioshock had done
1: yeah um and i i think one of the biggest distinctions to to bioshock's credit is um in uh, fallout you obviously you make dialogue choices so it it's almost like you 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 are a silent protagonist, but you make dialogue choices. So your character is obviously talking and responding, but your character isn't just just isn't given a voice uh, um, within the game. Whereas Bioshock, you are a completely mute protagonist, which some games it 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 rubs up against the rest of the game. Really, it doesn't really fit in very well. But as you get through the plot of Bioshock when you come up towards the twist and I think to be fair if you've not played it (laughs) beware there'd be spoilers to be fair we're probably gonna have to start putting this on the beginning of every video um yeah there's there's probably gonna be spoilers
0: I mean it's gonna be a spoiler to me because I've avoided it for what 15 years or whatever it's been 16 years so it will be a twist for me as well. But I'm prepared to admit that it's my own fault for not finishing the game in 17 years or however long it's been. It, it's completely on me that I don't know that twist by now. So
1: go ahead, blow my mind with what the huge I twist feel is. Really bad for do- <laughs> I feel really bad for doing this since you've never actually played through it. And the twist is really good. Once you get past the twist, the game sort of goes downhill and sort of...
0: I have a feeling I might have read read the twist ages ago. So you might not be telling me anything that I don't already know. Is it to do with the guy that you're speaking to that's helping you? Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I
1: think yeah. I've read this. Go on, go on, reveal all. So throughout the beginning part portion of Bioshock, you are talked to on your radio by a gentleman called Atlas who is trying to help you get through... Rapture helps save him, save his wife, save his kid and get you all the hell out of Rapture because it's falling apart rapidly. And he's he's a delightful chap, lovely Irish accent, which is a cruel, cruel play by the game designers because the Irish accent is one of those where you can just... It, it's a relaxing accent and you sort of go, ah, oh, cheeky, chappy, uh, they're trustworthy, they're reliable and you get all the way through to the sort of middle portion middle late portion of the game and you find out that he's been slipping in little requests along the way and you are you are genetically created to respond a certain way to this sort of keyword so he keeps saying would you kindly to you would you kindly go down this corridor And open the door at the end of it. Would you kindly find this person and go and fix this for me, this, that and the other. And you find out that the would you kindly is a trigger word for you and you cannot do anything other than obey that request. And it, and you walk into a room and there, it is plastered with the phrase, would you kindly, 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 all the way across. And the last request that uh, is made of you is, would you kindly go up and kill Andrew Ryan, who is the head architect of Rapture. You go in and you find Andrew Ryan in there and he knows that you've been sent to kill him basically, and he knows who it is that's manipulating you, and he knows how they're manipulating you, and he uses the phrase himself um, to force you to perform a certain action. Um, and then it's revealed afterwards that the person that's been talking to you the entire time is the person that's been trying to throw, overthrow Andrew Ryan as the ruler of Rapture, and he's put put you on this question, has been manipulating you the entire way through, because he can, because that's what you were created to do.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I did know that the guy you were talking to wasn't the friendly person you think he was, so I knew that it was related to that. wasn't the biggest spoiler for me, but for anyone out there who's just completely been ruined Bioshock for you, we're sorry about that, but we did give you plenty of time to to fast forward through this section. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's clever, and it's nicely done in terms of how it looks, and I think it does a lot of things better than some games are still doing them today. Uh, I like the fact that if you loot a corpse, for example, or a box, it doesn't give you the option to open it up again to see that there's nothing in there. Once you've looked in it and taken what there is, that's it. it. It just tells you it's a box, but it doesn't let you open it anymore, which saves massive amounts of time when you're in a room and you don't know if you've already explored one section of it. If it's telling you there's nothing in there, then you know that you've probably looked through it already. I think it does that really well. I do like the hacking mechanic. I just wish they'd have made the game a bit better or given various different ones for different pieces of equipment instead of it being the pipes thing for absolutely everything because it's fun for the first sort of five and then it's like oh this again and they just make them gradually harder or faster if it's a to attack thing, the, the liquid flows through it faster and you get less time to think about it. There's stuff like that I don't like, but yeah, I think it does. The security cameras is a big one for me. So on Atomic Heart, as an example, as soon as they see you, that's it. They're triggered and stuff's coming after you. On Bioshock, they will make a sound. They'll like alert you that they've seen you and you can zap them and then they don't send anyone. So you get a little sort of split second to react to it because you can't just be constantly scanning the ceilings for where there is a security camera, which is what Atomic Heart expects you to do. And if you get caught in one, you're screwed because it sends 100 robots after you or drones or whatever. At least in Bioshock, you get a second or two to spin around and go, oh, where's that coming from? Zap it with the electric and it stops, and then you get a chance to run away from its field of vision. So I think it does stuff like that better as well. Uh, The weapon system is what it is. It, It cycles well. You've got your kinetic power I suppose is the best way to call it on one hand and your physical weapons on the other and you can switch between the two just by trying to use one of them you can change what weapon and what power you've got just by hitting the trigger in front of it or holding it down to jump a few which is really easy and and a simple way to flick through weapons so I think it does all that really well there's no complicated way of switching between powers with the d pad and all that kind of thing it is literally bring a wheel up the only thing i don't like about is when you're looting bodies and that kind of thing it doesn't freeze the gameplay does it I'm that used to games freezing gameplay when you're investigating something this doesn't it just pops it up on the screen and if somebody's coming for you they're still going to attack you while you're trying to which is more realistic but it just it goes against a lot of what i'm used to in other games but now i think for what for the year it came out it is a masterpiece i would go as far as to say a masterpiece
1: yeah completely agree. um the soundtrack is stunning. it really is. The graphics for the time still hold up quite well um, and you do have to take sort of 2007 2008 graphics as what they were in terms of particularly in terms of people modeling. People modeling's not never been particularly great because of the complexities based around that, but it does it well, it does it in a stylized manner. But the the philosophy and the storyline far uh, exceed what most games are producing these days. To be honest with you,
0: yeah, completely agree. And it's it's the hands, isn't it? It's always the hands. They still can't get hands right now.
1: No, and I get that the weird hands are particularly weird. They're really difficult to draw, let alone animate, because they don't function the way that most normal joints function. That the odd things are hands. So yeah, I kind of get that, but and there's the occasional um, Bioware conversation face where you're talking to someone and they just stare unblinkingly at you, <laughs> uh, like you've just walked in with nothing on. But again, eye- eyelashes and facial expressions are quite d- challenging to animate, particularly back in the early two thousands.
0: Yeah, it was always hands hair and facial features, wasn't it? And getting the movement of facial features right, which has come a long way. If you look at even games that get much maligned, like Cyberpunk, the bits where Keanu Reeves are in it look almost realistic with his face. I mean, you can tell it's still computer generated, but the, all the movement to there and the motion captured it to perfection, which wasn't an option so much back in 2007. It was make the lips curl up a bit, make the eyes blink. I mean, if you play Oblivion, for example, some of the facial expressions you get in that when they're just glaring at you and then they just burst into audio and the mouths start flapping about and it's like, this is terrifying. These aren't even the bad guys and they're terrifying. So what what am I in for when I go through an Oblivion Gate? But it's one of those things that it makes it makes you sort of nostalgic when you play them, doesn't it? You're like, oh, I remember when it was a time like this and, and this was the best you got and you thought it was absolutely mind-blowing back then. Much like with Pac-Man and Tetris, we covered last week it it was probably mind-blowing for people when they first saw pac-man but now it's just a bit jarring and not fun in some cases
1: whereas i think this still would be i think if you introduced someone to gaming and you gave them bioshock to play i think there would still be that wow this this genuinely looks stunning even to your point about water effects even when there are little leaks in the glass um tubes connecting two separate parts of the uh, city and there's little leaks of water springing through them the cracked glass and the water coming in is faultless really yeah. it's it's still a bit dated but it still looks bloody good
0: and to your point with the music not just the music but the audio the sound effects there's never a quiet moment in there there's always something creaking under the strain of water or somebody talking in the distance that you know you're going to encounter at some point and they're probably going to attack you. Or there's some 50s Beyond the Sea by Bobby Darin's audio playing, piping in, in that old gramophony, crackly way. And if there is pure silence, you know you're probably in trouble because something's about to, to go terribly wrong. So it does even that, just even the like creaks of like a metal twisting under the weight of water and that kind of thing. It's so atmospheric if you play this in a darkened room with just the tv on and that it is not horrifying it doesn't give me the same feeling as like a resident evil uneasiness like resident evil 7 the uneasiness in that is almost too much to cope with whereas this is a i feel like i'm gonna get jump scared every second but not It's going to be gross and horrible. Like in Resident Evil 7, it's just I need to be ready to fight back when it happens. And I think it's that that I love about it, because you're just on edge the whole time, but you're not on edge to the point it makes you feel anxious and and uneasy and sort of like outlast, completely helpless. It's not that feeling. You know you can fight back, you just don't know what you're going to have to fight back against, and I really like that.
1: Yeah, it's like you say, it is very cleverly done. It is, at its core, a horror game. And there are lulls in the action um, where you are sort of walking down a corridor and there is that little bit of unease in the back of your head that why is it this quiet? What what am I <laughs> what am I walking into here? But it then uses that downtime to make the tension ramp up when you are mobbed by splicers. And the AI on the splicers and the big daddies and the little sisters is terrifically done. Because you can walk into a room and there's just a big daddy plodding along with the little sister holding hands and the little sister's talking to the big daddy the entire time. And these big daddies are haunting because they don't talk. They just groan. It's like a whale in a man suit. They just sort of groan and wail like a whale would underwater or a dolphin. And then a splicer will cross their path the Splicer will spot the little sister and they will just start fighting without your input. And you can just sit there and watch it as 14 Splicers try and take on this big daddy. And you can you can walk into some rooms where they the Splicers will literally kill the big daddy for you. And you then get to go and protect or harvest the little sister. Um, or you can join in with the Splicers and kill the big daddy. Or you can kill the Splicers, save the big daddy... And the Big Daddy won't attack you as long as you don't shoot him. Even if you're involved in combat, it doesn't see you as an antagonist until you physically inflict damage on it. So the AI on it is phenomenally done.
0: I don't know if this is an update for the the remastered version or not. I don't remember it happening in the old game. But I went into a room and I'd repaired a, a drone, like a flying drone. And I went into a room with three splicers and the drone took one out straight away, just peppered it with bullets and killed it. And I don't know if the other two got confused, but they turned on each other and they started fighting each other and like to the death. And then I just picked off the one remaining one. I don't remember splicers fighting with each other in in the 2007 version, unless I just never saw it. But in this one, I've seen it twice already. And I thought they were sort of on the same team. But these two, I don't know if they got confused because of the drone or what, but they just turned on each other and, and it made my life a
1: lot easier. There are little bits like that, um, because the splices themselves are split down into sub-factions, really. So you have different types of splices. You've got the spider ones that crawl along the ceiling with the meat hooks for hands. Um, you've got the ones that can teleport and they will fight each other. Um and but yeah, there are those contextual moments throughout the game, so particularly with the plasmids, so you can use your fire plasmid to set fire to oil that's around the place, um, which is great fun, especially when there's oil barrels. Um you can if splices are stood in water, you can electrify the water and it kills them all, which not many games do really. They don't do that contextual kill, and I think Bioshock was probably one of the first ones to successfully make it a part of the game.
0: A lot of games that do environmental kills make it really obvious, don't they? So it's like, there's an oil barrel that you can shoot and it will blow people away from it if they're near it. Or thinking of like The Punisher, one of my favourite PS2 games that no one ever seems to remember. If you get an enemy near something, you can trigger like a a swinging blade to chop them in half or something like that. But it's all very much hit X. It'll like pop up, hit X, and you can do the contextual thing. Whereas in Bioshock, it mentions to you that you can electrocute water, or you can can set fire to oil. But then it just leaves you to it. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to. It's not like a oh you really should use this thing it's just if you spot them standing in water you think oh here's an opportunity i won't hit them with a wrench i'll electrocute them and it'll get all of them out of the way in one go so yeah it's subtle i think is in comparison to a lot of games there's a subtlety of you can use these environmental things if you're clever enough to spot them and and know what to do at the right time and like you say i can't remember many games before it or even that many now that still do that it tends to be more with fire doesn't it in games like you you can use fire, push them into fire or set fire to a barrel and it'll explode, that kind of thing. But you don't get many anywhere. It's a whole room full of water and you electrocute it and it just means you can just walk through it and you're fine.
1: Yeah, there's usually stuff, environmental stuff that affects you as a player. So in, say, for example, the Tomb Raider remakes that they've done recently, there will be something in a room and a battery has fallen from a part of the ceiling and it's landed in this pool of water it's still connected and you can see the electrical current coursing through it and if you step in it it auto kills your character and you've got to find a way to pull the battery out long enough for you to make it across so there is stuff like that but not that you can then directly use against other npcs within the game
0: yeah i think because the whole place is falling to bits there is quite a lot of like rooms full of water or puddles or fountains that they might be in And it gives you plenty of opportunity to use them or not if you don't want to. I remember the first time I played it, one of the rooms, about six of them come in and attack you. But they all jump down into a fountain first. So if you're quick enough to hit it with electric, that room is a breeze. Whereas I died like three or four times in it the first time I did it because I was just trying to take them all out with a wrench. It gives you that opportunity if you're quick enough. And a bit of it is memory, isn't it? Once you get into this room, I'm going to hit that with electric straight away because there's going to be somebody in it around the corner or or that kind of thing. And the more you play it, the better you get. But I think it is also one of those games where you can completely ruin a playthrough to the point you're going to have to reload it. If you burn through a load of ammo and all the vials to use your uh, biotic powers, I suppose it technically is. If you burn through all that and you've got an enemy that you need to kill, like a boss, you pretty screwed there's not an infinite supply of ammo you can buy more but then there's not an infinite supply of dollars either so you really do have to watch what you're doing and not just go around i when i was playing earlier on i filled up my pistol ammo so i couldn't collect anymore so i used it enough to pick up what ammo was there And I just tried to keep it full because I know later in the game I'm going to need all that ammo to fight one of the bosses that I've struggled to get past in the past. So it's one of those that the first time you play it I think it's probably very easy to screw your whole game up by just wasting, like firing electric shocks out for no reason just because it looks cool and stuff and then you end up with none left. So it's really sort of easy to burn through stuff and... I assume on harder difficulties you get less and less as well.
1: Yeah, and you, I believe you also get um, limited use of the revival tanks, the, so the fighter chambers, you get limited mm. access to those. So, And the big, like I said, the big daddies are tough in normal and hard mode, so God only knows what they're like in uh, the hardest setting.
0: Which is a decent segue into Bioshock 2 because I think they removed a lot of the mystery of the Big Daddies because you get to be one, don't you, I think, in the second one.
1: Yeah, it's weird because it's the beginning portion of the game is, and it's like the first half hour, so it's predominantly cutscene. Um, it is set before Rapture, so it gives you a setup for society before Rapture fell. Um, and you are a prototype Big Daddy who functions better than an actual Big Daddy does, which is... <laughs> Pretty sure that's not how prototyping works, but yeah, you have access to plasmids and weapons, so you are essentially the character from the first game with a fish tank on your head. Uh, really,
0: that's for all difference it makes. So, are you a big daddy all the way through the second one? Because I've never played the second one.
1: Yep, big daddy all the way through.
0: Mm, See, so that takes a bit of the mystery away for me,
1: uh, and it does. Uh... Number two is quite underwhelming. It's still got the 1950s, 1960s vibe to it. And there are still some genuinely creepy enemies, but it introduces something called Big Sisters, which are slimmer, faster moving Big Daddies um, that, that try and protect the Little Sisters. And they even try and protect them from the Big Daddies as well. But if you're trying to save the little sisters, the big sisters also spawn in. So I could understand from a gameplay perspective, if you were trying to harvest them and the big sister was spawned in order to protect you, protect it and stop you from doing that. But it doesn't. So it's essentially saying, oh, you're trying to protect this little sister. Ah, I'm so angry at you for trying to look after (laughs) it. And it spawns it in anyway. So it just doesn't make any sense storyline wise. But yeah, number two is underwhelming. really underwhelming
0: do we need to say anything else about number two because it's not in the list none of the other bioshocks are in the list just bioshock one i mean we could do another episode down the line looking at the rest of the series or we could just briefly cover it off now if there's not a
1: lot to say infinite so the third one in the series is really good Really, More than happy to do a separate episode on it and more than happy to dangle the carrot now and just say it is a phenomenally good game is uh, Bioshock Infinite. It's a separate storyline entirely, but it does still feed back into Bioshock 1 and 2 and those the storylines from both of those heavily influenced BioShock Infinite and its DLC in particular.
0: Is it a different game? Because I've seen oh, I know it's a different game obviously, but I've seen footage of it and it looks like it plays really differently as well. It looked more um, when I saw clips of it, it made me think of like Uncharted in sort of the control. It seemed a bit quicker and and like you could jump over stuff and dodge under stuff and run and which you don't really get in BioShock, do you? It's a lot slower paced.
1: I think they'd taken the learnings they'd made from Bioshock 1 and 2, and they'd made the gameplay a lot more fluid. Um, like you say, combat is a lot quicker. And you have. Cause, um, so, Bioshock Infinite is set in the sky, as opposed to at the bottom of the ocean. And you have sort of things called sky hooks, which are rails that run the entire length of the city. And you've got like a little thing attached to your arm that can magnetically attach you to the rails, and you just swing round the city machine gunning racists um and jump off and you've got powers that activate when you land off a, a rail jump so you can create a shockwave that blows enemies off the edge of the map. It it's more of a swashbuckling affair for Bioshock Infinite and your character actually has a voice. Um mm. it is I, I believe he's played by Nolan North because I, I think most video game characters are voiced by Nolan North. um these days either or it's um troy baker
0: it's a bit different then but it's 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 in the same vein but they've just made it modernized essentially because these these sort of plodding slow methodical horror games like bioshock were the big thing weren't they in in that era there was you got condemned which is very similar in that it it's slow but it's I mean, I love Condemned, but the face that you've just pulled for people that are listening—I'm guessing you're not the biggest fan of it.
1: It's just the tension of it. Like I said when we were discussing Dead Space, I—I am—I am horrendous at playing horror games. I love playing them, but I'm terrible at doing it because I'm—I'm just nervous as a person anyway. So,
0: Condemned for me was the first game I got for um, Xbox 360, and. I loved it, but it was I was playing it on a really small monitor, and I don't know if you remember when 360s came out. If you played on a smaller resolution, you couldn't read the text. It was too fuzzy to actually read the text. So I didn't really know what was going on when it was putting text clues up and stuff on the screen, but I was still terrified by it. And I remember one of my friends came around to play it, and it was the first console we'd had with true wireless controllers. I think I had a wireless controller for the PS2, but it was one... Like the batteries went in like five minutes and you had to keep plugging it in anyway so we never really had wireless controllers and he was sat playing it on this wireless controller and there's a specific bit in condemned where you open a locker and this guy lunges out of it he's like yeah. You think he's dead in there, but then he just comes flying out towards you and grabs you, and my mate had the controller as he was playing it, and he shot, like, shot it up in the air, and it hit the floor, and all the batteries flew out of it and stuff. I was like, if you've just broke my brand-new controller, I'm not going to be happy. So, yeah, it was that level of jump scare in, in Condemned, and I love that kind of thing, but those slow, methodical horror games were the big thing in 2007, whereas when Infinite came out, you were looking at the more fast-paced, like you say, jump around, shooting people, flying around the screen and that kind of thing. And it had moved on a bit. So it's it makes sense that they've evolved with the times. And as long as it's still got that core Bioshock gameplay to it, then I'm more than more than happy to give it a go. And like I say, I've just purchased the the full remastered collection. So I'll no doubt get around to it soon. So yeah, if you want to do a special episode on that at some point, we'll definitely dangle that carrot out there. I don't know if it'll be after the 100 or whether we'll just do we have discussed haven't we doing in between episodes because we've got loads more to say about Pokemon, we've got loads more to say about Zelda that we just, when we've listened to the episodes back we didn't get it all in there so we might do in between episodes bonus content, whatever go and subscribe on Patreon and we might put it on there (laughs) 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 I'm not expecting anyone to do it just to hear us ramble on about Pokemon Gold and Silver for another hour, but you never know. I mean, I think we've covered Bioshock fairly well there. So, shall we give our verdict and give our score? So, I think we can both agree that fifty-seven is a joke, and it should be a lot higher than that. Oh yeah, saying that it'll probably end up at like fifty-seven when we finish. Uh, I put it all in in the in the order, but no, I think fifty-seven is far too low for a game of this quality. I mean to. To just give you an idea of what's either side of it. uh, Pokemon Red and Blue is at 58, which again, I don't particularly agree with. Uh, and then in front of it is Dungeon Master. And Jet Set Willy, which again, I know Jet Set Willy is a... It was a big British game, I think. I'll have to do some research into that one, because it was like home consoles. But it, I've played Jet Set Willy. And anyone saying it's better than Bioshock has to have nostalgic glasses on and be obsessed with Jet Set Willy, or have made Jet Set Willy. They're the only two people I can think of that would put this higher than Bioshock, because it's it's alright for its time, but it's not It's worlds apart, and it's just, that's the thing about this list that I, I don't think they've it, obviously it's a public vote, so they've not been objective with it, it's just people have voted for what game they think should be high enough, and they've ranked it, so it's never gonna, it's always gonna throw up some curveballs, but that for me is just baffling, that two places ahead you've got a game that takes like 20 minutes to finish and then you've got bioshock that looks amazing and takes hours and is really well crafted and well written and stuff so you have to take all these ratings with a pinch of salt it's almost like they shouldn't be numbered they should just be here's 100 games and play through them whatever order you think is the best so again we'll take that with a pinch of salt but yeah jet set willy jesus i mean as, as I, I might be mistaken this but i'm pretty sure when it came out it had a bug in it where you couldn't finish the game You got to a certain screen and it just you died every single time because they'd not programmed it properly i might be misremembering that but i will look into it before we inevitably have to look at jet set willy but i'm almost certain that was the case and they had to reprint all the cassettes and the floppies and stuff (laughs) so oh and that's too better than bioshock but anyway there's your little rant for people who enjoyed last week's episode Bioshock, I'd give it an 8.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd happily say a solid 8 for Bioshock, because, I mean, to your point, they put Tetris in at 4. <laughs> so <laughs> they'd have been better off just not saying, you know, the, these are in numerical order. It should have just been, these are the top 100 games to play before you die. Simple as not giving them a ranking, because... There's, there's going to be stuff that's further down the list. I mean, Pokemon Gold being 100, there is stuff that is on that list that, are, that is far worse and far less influential than Pokemon Gold. And I, I think Bioshock is very influential in how m- most modern shooters have sort of developed, really. Because, I mean, outside of your military shooters like uh, Call of Duty and Battlefield, which are... A, lore unto themselves really but most modern shooters with the reference to fallout and other genres like that it is heavily influential and it's one of those games that stays with you yeah because of the iconography because of the story because of the soundtrack yeah it is incredibly influential and doesn't deserve to be in the bottom 50.
0: I personally wouldn't hate more stories from Rapture you know, If they did mini digital-only releases that give you a bit more lore of Rapture or let you explore Rapture a bit more or something like that, I'd love that because I think the concept of an underwater society where anything goes just lends itself to so many possibilities that they've not explored in the games yet. And I think that would make, like, when you see, like, Borderlands and you've got Tales from Borderlands and all that kind of thing, This, I think this would fit in perfectly, have, like, Tales from Rapture or whatever, and and it's just like little sub-games that they could do where you get to find out a little bit more lore, or even a DLC, a bit more DLC or something. I know it's years later, but it must be due another remaster soon.
1: The unfortunate thing is, um, if um, Telltale Games were still up and running, the people that made Walking Dead and the um, sort of interactive storytelling versions of the games they'd be great at doing stuff like this that it yeah. would be them down to a t i'd happily you know hand over the projects and just go just go away and make something pretty out of it and they do a good job but unfortunately netflix have gained rights to make a bioshock movie um, and that just fills me with dread
0: it could go either way couldn't it but netflix don't have a great track record with video game adaptations, the Resident Evil one, I couldn't get past the first episode and it's like that should be the easiest thing in the world. I don't know how so many different attempts have messed up Resident Evil. The The original films have nothing to do with the games, pretty much. The, the recent film I enjoyed, I know a lot of people didn't, but at least it was closer to the games than what we've had previously and it had the little callbacks to the games that only people who'd played the games would get, but they weren't integral to the storyline, so the like the itchy, tasty thing being written on the wall and that kind of thing. I appreciate those little callbacks in, in films like that, and I thought for what it was, it wasn't a terrible film. And then we sat down to watch the Netflix thing, and I think three quarters of the episode in, I was switched off, and then we just never watched any more
1: of it. I've never understood why movie companies want to do it. I mean, I know on a level there is obviously a little make money. Yeah, great, lovely. But... um Video games are incredibly um, immersive. They affect an individual person because you are the one that is immersing yourself in that world. Um, and the only thing that sort of separates you from that world is the controller in your hand. That's the only thing that sort of takes you out of what you're witnessing. Whereas, So it's a very interactive medium, whereas films aren't. You literally just sit there and you watch what is going on. A jump scare in a film affects you a damn sight less than a jump scare in a video game because of how in the moment you are with the game. And I've never understood why people are hell-bent and trying to crowbar film or series adaptations of video games because it very rarely works.
0: I mean, it can work. If you want to the do last, the, last of Us, the Last of Us has proved oh, yeah. that it can work. But it, it has to be handled with people that like... The franchise i think and and want to do it justice and i don't feel like resident evil's ever had that no and i'm worried that bioshock now you've mentioned that isn't gonna have that either um I'd, i've never watched the witcher but i think that was fairly well received wasn't it so there's a little bit of hope there that that netflix i think it was a netflix one the witcher
1: it was yeah the witcher was really good but again books before game so
0: so there's other source material to run off of yeah so yeah we'll we'll have to see with this one. I, I could it it would make a fantastic film if they got the settings right and they got the storyline right. Not necessarily mirror the game, they wouldn't even have to do that. They wouldn't have to follow the game storyline. There's like we just said there's loads of stories that could be set in an underwater utopia stroke dystopia that would work. So there's there's potential. It's just whether they just drag it through the mud I suppose and and completely ruin it.
1: I think I think what people make the mistake of doing is they try to make a film out of something and a 20 hour game does not translate well into a two hour film. It just doesn't. I mean, Silent Hill, again, prime example, Silent Hill 1, Silent Hill 2, incredibly creepy, incredibly atmospheric, and they translated it to a two hour schlock horror film and it didn't work. You had all the parts in there, but it just didn't translate very well. Whereas I think the difference between that and what they did with The Witcher and The Last of Us is they made the effort to make it a series. So you've got hour-long episodes where you can build background story without having to ram it down the viewer's throat within the first 20 minutes that usually like a bloody Star Wars text crawl, where it's, mm. this is what happens, this is what this is, this is what this is, this is what this is, this is, what this is. here's your film. Whereas with a series, you can sort of craft that a little more organically and I think people edge more towards films and it doesn't work.
0: I think looking at the example you just given, Silent Hill and then Bioshock, I think Bioshock's got more of a chance of working as a film than Silent Hill because of the immersion you mentioned. In Silent Hill, playing Silent Hill, you're immersed and it is, you're on the edge of your seat the whole way through what's going to happen. Now, I know we've said earlier on Bioshock has that to an extent, but it's not Bioshock doesn't rely on jump scares, I don't think, whereas Silent Hill does have a lot of that in it. So I think in in a film, Bioshock's potentially going to work better because you don't have that need to be in control of it. In Silent Hill, you've got the pad and you are in control of it. So if something jumps out on you, you've got the control to run away from it, if you can. And I think that's a big part of it. Whereas in Bioshock, I think you could sit and be the person watching the game and somebody else play it and still get the same out of it, if that makes sense. So I think there's those slight tweaks where I think Bioshock stands more of a chance of being a really good film because you've got the environments for a start. I mean, what have you got in Silent Hill? It's fog and sort of buildings covered in blood and and a a run-down hospital. Bioshock is this whole underwater. I mean, that done right in CGI is going to look absolutely incredible. And that might be enough to draw me in, even if the storyline's a bit mediocre just to see that world come to life in what looks like a realistic setting instead of a computer like a computer game from 2007 look so yeah i think it's got a chance but let's face it it's probably going to be terrible
1: yeah Uh, to be fair i'll still watch it because like you say it'll be nice to spend another two hours in the world of rapture and see what they can do with it when they translate it to the real world or real world in inverted commas but yeah i just i don't have high hopes for it
0: I think if we go in with low estimations then it can only go up so let's just keep them low and then uh, we'll, we'll see what we see what comes out of it but we've run over which i didn't expect us to do on bioshock i thought if any of them this was going to be the one that ran a bit short so all we will do before we say goodbye is just a little update on next week's show which is a a special one resident evil 4 comes out on friday the remake and as massive resident evil 4 fans we have decided to get together for the first time in about what 12 13 years in the same room uh play through the game and record an episode face to face so if the levels are all off on next week's and you can't really hear what we're saying and all that kind of thing it's because we did it in the same room and we botched something but it'll be fun to do and it might even be out a little bit earlier if we're happy with it and, and we can sort of cash in on that new game craze and get a Resident Evil 4 uh, review up early doors. So yeah, one potentially to look forward to unless you hate Resident Evil. Uh, and it is in the list. It's not that we've just gone, oh, this game's coming out. We want to play it. So we're going to do an episode on it. It is also in the 100, so it's, it's, on, it's on point with the list as well. So you can't get mad at us for already getting bored of doing the list and just skipping to a game we like but on that note I think we will call it there so eight and a half, uh, no eight eight for Bioshock which puts it in second I believe on the list which isn't bad going and we'll see you on the next one goodbye from me and
1: goodbye from me (laughs)